0: I need you to grab your Bible, and I need you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Because um, I want to talk to you about something that these, that these students did at camp. If you would have been there last night, if you listened real closely to these testimonies, every one of these students was facing something, and our ushers are going down the aisle. They're giving away Bibles. If you're brand new, if you don't have a Bible, if you forgot yours and need one, we're going to read all the way through the 51 verses today, 1 Samuel chapter 17. So you'll want to have a Bible as we study the story of David and Goliath today. But, but what I found out from our students... Um, from the nearly 1,000 other students that were there from almost 40 different churches, um, kids from all over the world, literally someone born in Beijing, people born in Canada, Norway, I mean, just all over the place. What I found is that to really engage spiritually, I need you to listen to me. If you have checked out, check back in now. What people really need to grow spiritually is they have to be able to overcome obstacles in their life. Probably the thing that's keeping you from taking the next step spiritually is something in your life that that it may be minuscule or it may be huge. But probably all of us, the, the thing that is standing in our way spiritually from having the fire and the passion that these kids have today is something we need to deal with. And one of the greatest stories in the Bible, our banner in the back is actually a picture of this story. is the story of David and Goliath. It's one of the most well-known Bible stories inside the church, outside the church. And today, the thing that perhaps is standing in your way spiritually. And the first question that I asked the first night of camp is a question I want to ask today. And I wish we could do what we did at camp because I made every one of the students answer the question spiritually. But here's my question to you right now. How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing spiritually? Like right now, July 1st. 2012, how are you doing spiritually? And here's the gauge that I gave our students to answer that camp as we sat outside by the lake on Monday night after, after service. I said this, I said, I want you to think back to the time in your life where you were at your highest spiritually. I want you to think back to the time in your life when you were more passionate for God than you have ever been in your life. I want you to think back to the best spiritual time in your life. And I want you to rate that as a 10. And then I want you to tell me where you are today. Are you a ten? Like, is this time in your life the greatest spiritual time you've ever gone through? Or are you a one? Are you a five? We well, kids say, I'm probably a six. I'm a seven. I'm an eight. I might be a nine. I'm really struggling. They got really honest, like you read here. What would your answer be today? I wonder how many in the crowd would give an answer. If I said, think back to a time where you were on the mountaintop spiritually and give it a ten. Where are you today? Man, I bet. I bet there's a lot of threes and fours and fives in this room today. Man, you know, I'm not where I used to be spiritually. My answer would be why. And the answer would probably be, well, something has come into my life to kind of hinder or hurt my spiritual growth. Today, it's my goal to figure out what that is and to get it out of the way. So you can get back to where you were spiritually and even go beyond. We're going to, we're going to learn how to do this through studying the story of David and Goliath in 1st chapter 17. But here's the first thing that you need to know today. I probably don't even have to preach this message for you to understand what's standing in your way spiritually. Because as we read through the story of David and Goliath, here's the first thing that we find out. The giant in your life is really easy to identify. It's not something you have to think, you know, why, man, why aren't I where I used to be spiritually? Why am I struggling spiritually? Why am I not engaged spiritually right now? The answer to that is probably something pretty easy to figure out. Your giant is something that's pretty easy to identify. How do you know that? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war, and they assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes-Damon between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah, and they drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill, and the Israelites occupied another, and there was a valley between them. Now, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come up and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and you will serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. Now, guys, you, you didn't have to ask the Israelites which one Goliath was. There was no way that you could have gone to the camp and said, Hey, I heard some guys been coming out and yelling at you. Which one is it? I don't know that anyone would have said, I don't know. They all look the same. This guy looked different. The Bible says that he was six cubits in a span. By our modern measurement, that means he was nine feet, nine inches tall. That's a big, big man. By the amount of armor that he wore, and going back and looking at the ratio of armor to the weight of a man, scholars tell us that Goliath would have weighed 550 pounds. He's a big man. Nine foot nine, 550 pounds. The only thing I can't figure out is why he had an armor bear. I mean, how big was his armor bear? This guy was supposed to protect him, you know. Can't you picture like Minnie me walking out next to him with a shield? Here's big Goliath and some little dude supposed to protect him. Nine feet nine, 550 pounds. And every day he came out and got in the face of Israel and basically said, Hey, I am all that stands in the way of you and doing God's will. So let's go. And we find out that every day the Israelites said, Ah, uh, you know what? Let's think about it tomorrow. What's the thing in your life that's standing between you and the plan that God has for you? What's the thing in your life that is probably the primary reason? Why you haven't become great for god you're not filled with god You don't have the passion that these students have as they come back from camp You see as i've done ministry the last 12 years. I have found that most people most christians Really only struggle with one or two things Most christians don't have 15 things that they're trying to get figured out when they can get this these 15 things figured out Then everything will be okay spiritually most christians have most of their junk figured out but they have one or two areas that They just can't seem to get right and and maybe they've begun to think in their head You know what? I've got a bunch figured out. I know this one is like a big thing, but you know god loves me He'll forgive me And what we've done is we have allowed this giant to stand in our life without even knowing it We can't even accomplish god's will for our life without getting rid of him But we don't know if we're willing to face him. So what 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 is the thing in your life? You know, as I look at this text, as I look at the Bible, I find that giants come in many different shapes and forms. They come in the form of sin. Some Christians, that they struggle with a predominant sin. You don't struggle with every sin in the world, but you've got like this one thing that you really struggle with. Maybe for some Christians, it's fear. And the thing that that holds them back for becoming all that God wants them to be is maybe a fear that you, you'll fail or maybe a fear that you've done that before and it didn't work out well. There, there's just, you know, a little fear, you know, what will my husband think? What will my wife think? What will my kids think? What will my neighbors think? You know, there's just a fear that, you know, I don't, I don't want to be seen as just really weird spiritually. You know, I, I just don't know if I can go there. For some, it's a relationship. I mean, if you were to be real honest, you would say the thing standing in the way of me becoming all God wants me to be is this person. And you know what? I, this, like this person just, man, they drag me down. They hold me down. They hold me back. This relationship, this, this thing in my life is so dysfunctional and so broken. Like I can't move forward spiritually because this relationship has drugged me down spiritually, emotionally, physically, and in every other way. For some of you, it's an attitude. I mean, your giant literally is, is a bad attitude, and, and you don't even know that it's an attitude that has been shaped in you. It's, it's a bias against some particular thing. Um, it, it's it's emotional uh, in in that you have suffered wrong somewhere along the way you've suffered wrong so you have kind of closed your heart you have you've locked the door you've thrown away the key and and in trying to keep everyone else out the people who have hurt you like you like God can't get in either and maybe you, your attitude and your emotions today are the thing that's standing in your way and you never even consider when you come to church. Um, what God has to say to you, if you need to change, if you want to change, if you can change. Your, your attitude is like this. Hey, what are you doing? Going to church? And then the next day, hey, where were we at? Well, I was at church. This isn't even about God anymore. It's just about coming to church. Because your emotions have, have locked the door of your heart. Some of you are, are living in a state of spiritual disillusionment right now. You put yourself out there spiritually and it didn't work well. For some reason, God has allowed our church to collect people who have come from broken churches. Not sure why that is. I mean, I've met with more than a half dozen people from a half dozen different churches that all have a very similar story where something went really wrong at the church, something went really wrong with the pastor, and, and they just, you know, they, they kind of gave up on church for a while. They, they were disillusioned. And some of them sit in our church and they're still disillusioned. I, I heard from one of our leaders this week that met with a man in our church who had been at a church like this where a pastor had gone and done something wrong, and, and he asked our leader this week, how long till Christian starts Doing stuff like that, and you know, I thought, you know, dude, you are not bruised; you are bleeding. Like you still have an open spiritual wound. Do you recognize that? Because that is standing in your way of crossing the boundary spiritually to go to the next step. It's not about whether or not Christian will let you down. I will let you down, right? Or you can write that one down on your sermon I'm gonna do something wrong. I'm human. I'm gonna try not to ever do something so wrong that i'm exempt from being a pastor anymore, but I will let you down But but your relationship with god some of you you just you live in a fog of attitude Uh and emotion that just doesn't allow you to move forward anymore For me my the biggest my giant in my 20s and i'm gonna be honest with you so you can get honest with yourself some of you are thinking I don't have a giant in my life. Yeah, you do in my 20s. My giant was pornography started struggling with it in college, and it was something that I was heavily tempted with, even in my 20s. In my 30s, my giant has transitioned, thank the Lord, and that's not something I struggle with or even really think about anymore, but now I really struggle with discouragement and depression. See, my giant has shifted, but I know what it is in my life. When that, when that giant stands up, it's like I begin to back up spiritually. You've got to identify in your life what is causing you to back up spiritually, Or stay still spiritually? What is keeping you from moving forward spiritually? Because here's what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. Three facts. You need to write these down. These are not on your sermon notes, but they should be on the screen behind me. Three facts. The Bible says, first and foremost, you were created in the image of God. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, the Bible says that God created male and female, and he created them in his image. You were created in the image of God. Fact two. You were created in the shape of God. To be filled with the spirit of God, according to Romans chapter 8. So we're created in the image of God. We're created in the shape of God so that we can one day be filled with God, according to Romans chapter 8. And then the third fact, biblically, the Bible says we're created as a Christian to become more like the character of God. So when we get our facts straight, the fact is this. It's not good enough to stand still spiritually, and it's not good enough to back up spiritually. God's plan for our life is that we move forward spiritually. And if you're at a 10 spiritually today, you should be at an 11 next week and a 12. God keeps us moving forward. Say, where does it say that? Genesis 1, we're created in the image of God. Romans 8, we're created in the shape of God to be filled with God. Why? Romans 12, so we can be more like God. If you're not becoming more like God, you have slowed in your spiritual race. You have to figure out why that is. It was the Apostle Paul that said in Galatians 2.20, even someone who's given their whole life to Jesus can have things that get in the way of growing with Jesus. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ and I don't even live anymore. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I don't even count my life my own. I have traded places with God. I gave him all of my life and now I only do what God wants me to do. Except in Romans 7, he said this. He said, there are some things that I know I'm supposed to never do. And I find myself doing those. Like, even though I've given my life and my heart to God, there's some things I know I should never do. And he said, I, I, I do those sometimes. And he said, and even though I've given my life to God, and I know there's some things that I should do all the time, I never do those. And he actually said at the end of Romans chapter 7, he said, I feel like a cursed man because I want to live for God. I've given my life to God. But sometimes there are things in the way of me living for God. What are those things in the way of you living for God? Why aren't you living at a level 10 today? What are the things in your life. That are keeping you from going all the way with God. You have to figure out what those are. L- let, me, let me give you an easy one. To just start you down the road of thinking. Okay. There's, there's a booth that I look at every Sunday. It says next steps. Next steps is written on it. We have a pastor at our church called the pastor of spiritual growth. And the Bible says that your first spiritual step is becoming a Christian. Giving Jesus your heart, accepting him, it's a date, it's a time, it's an event where you become a Christian. Your second spiritual step, according to the Bible, is to be publicly baptized to tell people, I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, there are some of you who have become a Christian. You've invited Jesus into your heart. And and now you you have like started reading your Bible, you go to church, you serve in church. But you literally missed step number two because of some specific reason. You know you should be baptized, you know what the Bible says... But you're refusing to be for one reason or another. It's kind of like, okay, step one, I'm a Christian. Hey, let, you know, hey, don't step on step two. It's a little wet. Um, you know, Thank you, Robbie, for getting the joke. Baptism, it's a little wet. Anyway, um, you, you've just skipped over that. And there is a, there's a reason why. I don't want people to think badly of me. I don't want my parents who saw me get baptized at another church when I was a baby to think bad of me. You, you've got all these reasons. You have to begin to unpack what's holding you back spiritually. And you and you got to get it out of your life, man, or you're never going to go all the way with God. You've got to identify your giant. I hope today you already got it locked in your mind. Because I'm telling you, sitting where you're sitting, if somebody would have preached his message when I was 25, I would have said, yeah, pornography. It's like the only thing in my life I try. I don't care about drinking, drugs, using foul language. None, none of those things, like, they're not even on my radar. Pornography, I get tempted by that. I shouldn't. I'm a Christian. It was easy. Right now, it'd be discouragement, depression. Man, that hits me like one, one day. If that hits me for one day, it can kill me for a whole week, and I just back up spiritually. See, I know what I struggle with. You can't begin to get past what you struggle with until you've identified it, and it's pretty easy to identify, because it's big. Like nine foot nine, 550 pounds, big. Identify your giant. Number two, realize, after you've identified it, that your giant paralyzes your spiritual growth. It paralyzes your spiritual growth. It gets you to stop at the age of 15 or 21 or 25 or 30 or 40 or 50. It gets you to just stop growing spiritually because you're not willing to go past that point. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll just continue the dialogue. Goliath comes out, rah, 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 I'm going to kill you, send a man to kill me. And here's the Israelites. uh, Here's their response in 1 Samuel 17 verses 11 through 24. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed And they were terrified. Now, David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons. And in Saul's time, he was pretty old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. But David, he would go back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward. Every morning the philistine the giant came forward every morning And every evening and he took his stand 40 days twice a day 80 times. He'd done this Now jesse said to his son david Take this ephah of roasted grain And take these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of the unit See how your brothers are doing and bring back some assurance from them verse 19 There was saul and all the men of israel in the valley of elah fighting against the philistines Now, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. He loaded up. He set out, as Jesse had directed, when he reached the camp as the army, he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions. They were shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines. They were facing each other. David left his things with the keeper, of the supplies, and he ran to the battle lines and he asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines. And shouted his usual defiance and david heard it whenever the israelites saw the man they all fled from him in great fear you know what happens with our spiritual giant is this it goes from being an event like making a one bad spiritual decision to a way of life hey this is just this just something's in my life now and I guess I can't get rid of it, so like I'm stopped spiritually where I am. I can go no further spiritually because th- this thing is in my life, and I just, I can't change, people say this, I can't change the way, the, the way that I am. Actually, according to the Bible, you're created in the image of God, in the shape of God, to be filled with the Spirit of God, so you could become more like God. So what you just said is theologically incorrect, that you can't change. You can, you're actually created to be changed. But some people will, will and it's funny, they'll just live life going through the motions for 40 days. I want you to see this now. For 40 days, I mean the first day, I understand. First day, you get to the valley of Eli, you go out, hey, we're going to get ready for war, here's the plan. You get out to the war the first day, are you ready? I'm ready, yeah, are you, we're sticking on war paint, we're punching each other, we're getting everybody all psyched up, we grab our spear in our hand, and then out walks nine foot nine, 550 pound Goliath, and he just basically says, hey, one-on-one, you kill me or I'll kill you, and we'll be each other's servants, let's do it right now, not everyone's going to fight just me against one person. And everyone's like... He's huge and they all run away and like day two comes like, what do you think we should do? Well, let's let's go out to fight today. So day two, according to the Bible, they would wake up and they would put on all their armor and they put on all their gear and they would get in their battle formations and they would punch each other and they put on the war paint. They get psyched up and they get ready to go and they would draw battle lines and they would have the battle plan and they would go out and they would stand on the line and say, we're ready to go. And then Goliath would come out on day two. And it was like, dang, he's still here. Um. So in the morning they ran home and in the evening they ran home. This was like two a day football practice with no real game in between. Um, And and they would go home. Don't you think it like on day 15 when they were getting ready? They took it a little less serious. They quit actually getting ready to fight. It was just going through the motions. Hey, where's my where's my boots? Where's hey, where's your spear? Don't matter. (laughs) Nobody's going to fight today. Goliath's going to come out. We're all going to run away. I mean, this had just become routine now. And some of you are living in the routine where you don't plan to, you don't purpose to, you don't care to. You're done spiritually moving forward. And this is a routine. Where's my Bible? I don't know. It doesn't matter. You don't read it anyway. Hey, we got to go to church. Hey, come on. We're going to be late. We're going to miss worship. Don't matter. You don't sing anyway. And it's like we have settled into this, like we act like we're going to war. But everybody knows nobody's going to fight. Everybody knows that no one's going to do anything. Everyone knows the war will never happen, that you don't even care about advancing anymore. You're just cool with the status quo. You know, Yesterday, Christian and I, my son, I had to take back our 15-passenger van yesterday morning over to Olathe. So I got up early and got in the van, and Christian rode with me over to Olathe. And we're on 470 driving around. From Lee Summit to Olathe. And there was a person in front of us who, for 15 minutes on 470, drove with their right blinker on. Did you hate that? Like I, I, like I wanted to like, ram them with my car. Um, and at one point, I thought, you know, I got collision insurance. It might not cost much. You know, I should just, it's like, turn the blinker off. Um, and like after 10 or, 10 or 15 minutes, Christian said, hey, Dad, they're not really going to move over, are they? And I said, no, I don't even know that they know that it's on anymore. You know what? There are a lot of Christians who've been driving with their blinker on that. Hey, I, I'm going to spiritually move forward, but you have no intention of ever moving from where you are. The blinker is on, but there's no intention in your heart of taking the next step spiritually. Why? Because there's there. There is a hard step in the way named Goliath. And, and you have to work a little bit to move forward. You might have to sacrifice something. You might have to, as the word she used in her text, you might have to risk something to move forward. But you know, when, when we talk about spiritual growth and passion, we dress up, we come out, but where are you really? Spiritually, where are you really? Any, any of you used to watch Friends, that, that show Friends with Monica and Rachel and Joey? No one knows what I'm talking about or are you all just half asleep? Remember Joey's famous question? Remember how Joey would greet women when Joey would see him? What would Joey say? How you doing? That's what God is saying to you this morning. How you doing? How you doing? Do you have any intention of ever moving over to the next lane spiritually? Then turn your blinker off and quit acting like it. You just dressing up and playing church today? Are you really going to do war spiritually? You see, our, our, our giant will paralyze us. It will keep us right where we are. And, and here's what's even worse. When we decide, like some of these students have decided... I'm going to move forward spiritually. Number three, according to our Bible narrative today, most people don't want to face their giant. And they don't want you to face yours either. Because if you face yours, it makes him look bad. And, you know, it's just easier if we all just play along and act like it's not there. Because, you know, one day Jesus will change us in heaven. No, the Bible said he wants to change us now. That's what Romans 12 says. We're supposed to be transformed now. That's how Christianity works. So you say, Christian, where is that point? Most people don't want to face the giant. And they don't want us to face ours either. Where, where is that, Christian? 1 Samuel 17. We just keep reading. We'll start in verse 25 and go to 33. Now, the Israelites had been saying. So here's what they would go to camp and talk about. Is anyone going to kill this guy? No. Man, it'd be cool if someone would. Are you? No. All right. Hey, see you tomorrow at war. All right. Hey, you want to do lunch together after war? Like, we'll go like get a sandwich? Yeah, that'd be cool. Great. Like, before or after? Like, morning war or evening war? Ah, either one. We know we're not going to really go fight, so we'll just, we just hook up. We'll hook up after the war. So the Israelites have been saying to each other, you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He'll also give him his daughter in marriage, and he'll exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked some men standing near him, what, what What'd you say? What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine anyway that he should defy the armies of the living God? So they repeated to him what they'd been saying, and they told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at David. he said, Why have you come down here? Who'd you leave your little sheep with in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch. He said, You're a coward. You don't care about this giant. You're a coward. Verse 29, David said, What have I done? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men said to him as before, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. I'll kill him. He's just a kid. Kids are stupid. David, you know, thought, listen, nine, nine, five, I, got, I got this. You know how teenagers are. David said, don't lose heart. I'll go. I'll go fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to. You can't go out against this Philistine fight and fight him. You're just a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Now, see, here's what happens. you had an entire army of Israel who 80 times, 40 times in the morning, 40 times in the evening, had come to do battle, had heard the giant say, let's do battle, and it said, no, nah, I don't think I want to do battle. So they, they had begun to live in this, this pattern of, you know, we have, like, we have enough land, and uh, you know, this is all good. What's really interesting, we were just in the Valley of Elah, our group that was in Israel a little while ago, from Elah west eastward and southward is like the most plush land in Israel. So, I mean, they, they needed to win this battle so their land could be what their land needed to be. It's just beautiful there. And they had decided, like, we have grown enough. Let's just at least stay here and be alive. We, we, you know, we can't fight the giant. And David says, well, I, you know what? I'm going to fight my giant. And They said, no, what? no, no. You don't need to do that. Like, what would we do if you killed him? Like, this is our life now. Get up, go to war, come home, play cards, go to war again, come home, eat some s'mores around the campfire. I mean, it's become a pretty nice life. If you kill the giant, then all of us are going to have to go to war. And just, just don't. And what's interesting is his family were the first ones that said, listen, you don't need to kill your giant. You don't need to move forward spiritually. You're fine where you are. Hey, you're fine. You don't, need to keep, you don't need to go anywhere. His friends, listen, you don't need to do this. You don't need to move forward spiritually. His spiritual leader and his boss, Saul, the king of Israel, who was supposed to be both their spiritual and military king, when he heard David wanted to go, he said, you can't go. And what's funny is even among the Christian world, when you start telling someone, hey, God has laid it on my heart to do this, most Christians will tell you, you don't need to do that. You know, we had someone in our church. We have a lot of people who come to our church who have never been to church before. Or maybe they like really never connected spiritually. We've had 62 people in the last nine months become Christians at our church that were not Christians before our church. God's done some cool things. And one of these guys went back to work. He he was a a Christian, a, a kid in our church who became a Christian, young man. He went back to work. And one day at work, he was talking to someone at work who he knew was a Christian. And he said, hey, I'm going to church. And he began to tell him all the things he was doing. And he made this statement Uh, To one of the guys he was working with who was a christian who had been a christian all his life He said yeah, he said now that i'm a christian one of the things that i'm trying to do i'm trying to stop cussing Now i've never preached on cussing. I don't cuss. I want my son to cuss But i've never preached on that. There are some verses on it. i've never preached on but like god was saying to him You know, listen now that you're you need to change things and this is one of the things you need to change You know what his christian friend said to him? You don't need to stop cussing Christians cuss. To, to, to that person, like, I would like to punch them in the throat, you know? Like, I don't know if Christians fight or not, but you need to be hitting the throat. It's like you, you are you're trying to talk someone out of moving forward spiritually. I got an email two weeks ago from someone in our church who has been let. I've never spoken on alcohol at our church. I've never stood up and given you all the verses. I've never told you my stance. I've never told you whether I drink or don't. I've, I've just, I, I just haven't dealt with that. In our church, it's not come up yet. But I got an email last week from someone in our church who said, after church, um, "Hey, I just wanted to let you know that one of our family members just said that they really believe God's leading them to stop drinking alcohol because they believe it's standing in between them and where they need to go spiritually." Now, do you think I responded back and said, "Listen, Christians can drink; it's no big deal." You see, that's what we do. We because we want to keep our things in our life. We try to keep other people from giving up there. like, wait a minute, don't do that. You're going to make me look bad if you do. Just because God's not speaking to you about something doesn't mean God's not speaking to somebody else. Josh Hamilton, we will, um, uh, we will in, on August 4th, where's Kevin? You know, Kevin, is that the right date, August 4th? Faith and Family Days at the Kansas City Royals Stadium. They're playing the Texas Rangers, and Josh Hamilton is going to give his testimony after that game. If you're a baseball fan, you know who that is. So we've bought like 100 or 150 tickets as a church, and on that Saturday... We're going to go as a church together, building 429 is going to be their leading worship. Josh Hamilton is going to talk. The newest thing about Josh Hamilton now that has come out in the news, and listen, I know that I'm over. Just hang with me because I'm still going strong. We will be late today getting out. I apologize. Um, Josh Hamilton has come out and his new thing is he's trying to give up chewing tobacco. And if you know anything about his past, horrible drug addiction, um, horrible alcohol abuse, signed a multi-million dollar contract and blew it all on drugs and while he was a teenager. And then he became a Christian and God rescued his life. And I mean, some pretty cool things, but he now feels like God wants him to quit chewing tobacco, which is really real in baseball. Um, you know, and, and I thought about, you know, I probably have a lot of friends who chew tobacco. And again, this isn't something I get up and preach about, your position on tobacco, my position on tobacco. But, but what happens is God leads people in their heart to give up things so they can grow spiritually. And most of the time, it is a Christian, not a non-Christian, that comes alongside him and says, you don't have to do that. Listen, I'm a Christian. I didn't do that. You don't have to do that. And when God tells you to go to the next level, I don't care if he tells you to give up watching cable TV. I, I pray to God he doesn't do that to me. But if he does it to you, <laughs> man, you better respond. It's like, God, what about like college football? I mean, that that would be... Hard for me. I'd have to fast and pray over that one for a long time and maybe hang out at a sports bar if I didn't have it at my house. because that, that, That'd be tough. But when God speaks to you, guess what? It's not our place to come alongside and discourage a Christian who's trying to go all the way with God. We should cheer him on and say, great. You want to go kill him? I'm your biggest cheerleader. Go kill the giant. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul had started a church. He took 18 months to start a church, got his church fired up, and then he left an associate pastor to run his church. And five to eight years later, he wrote a letter back to the church. And here's what he said to the people in that church. Brothers and sisters, I can't even address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly. You're mere infants in Christ. I give you milk, not solid food for you weren't even ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For one person says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Aren't you being mere human beings? What is, after all, Apollos? What is Paul? We're only servants who, through you, came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it, what's the word there? Say it again. Louder. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things. Are you growing? Are you in the same place spiritually today as you were September 18, 2012, when we started this church? You've just quit growing because, you, you know, you're cool with where you are spiritually. Or are you going to take the next step? See, there's something between you and the next step. That giant you have to identify. You've got to figure it out. And even when no one pats you on the back and says, go ahead and do it, you've got to do it. God has been leading people in our church to begin to take the next step spiritually. You have to decide what that is for you. You were built to grow. You've quit growing can't be okay with that I love what david said in the new king james version when his brothers got on to him in verse 29. He said what have I done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a good reason to kill this giant so we can move forward with what god wants us to do? Is there not a cause is there not a good reason for you to grow spiritually? How about because it'll honor god? How about it because it'll show other people who the true god is? How about because you'll become a better person? How about because you'll have more impact on the world? How about because you'll become a better husband or a better wife or a better parent? How about because you'll become a better employee or a better employer? How about because you'll become a better friend of people in your life? Is there not a cause? Like, is there not a good reason for you to leave here today and begin to grow more spiritually than you walked in? Is there, is, is there a good reason not to? If there is, speak now or, never hold your, or, or forever hold your peace. God made us to grow. We gotta grow. Not everyone wants to watch each other grow. Sometimes they hold each other back. Number four. You say, Krishna, I just you know, I just don't know if I can. Listen, your spiritual past proves that your spiritual giant can be conquered. You see, man, I've given up a lot of things, I've sacrificed a lot of things, I've changed in a lot of ways, but I just don't know if I can do this. I think this is just the, the person I am, it's the way that I am. First Samuel seventeen, verses thirty four through through 37 prove that god has been showing you that you can take the next step spiritually in verse 34 saul verse 33 saul said you can't kill that giant listen to what david said david said to saul listen your servant's been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock i went after it i struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, and I struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine is going to be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, good luck. Listen, I know there's something in your life you've overcome since you've become a Christian. What you have to understand now is you face this next obstacle, and it looks huge, 9 foot nine, 555 pounds we 550 pounds worth of obstacle. You gotta say, you know what it does, in, in my heart, I don't know that I can do this, but I remember when I didn't think I could do that and look where God's brought me. I remember when I didn't think I could be a good dad and look where God has brought me. I remember when I never thought I'd be a good hu- husband and look where God has brought me. I remember where I never thought we'd have our finances together and look what God has done. I remember when we said we'd never find a church that husband and wife both like together. So we're gonna count on God did that. So we're gonna count on God to do this, even though this is, like this is really big. We're going to believe our past for our future. And then finally, number five. When you believe your past for your future, the Bible says that we should hurry to conquer our spiritual giant. Here's my, here's my favorite part. And then we should kill it twice. We should hurry to conquer our spiritual giant and then we should kill it twice. So, wait, uh, what do you mean by that? Look at verse 38. We're just going to keep reading. So Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on his head, a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic. He tried walking around them because he wasn't used to them. And he said, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. And he put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Verse 41, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bare in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked david over and saw that he was a little more than a boy. He was a teenager Glowing with health and handsome and he despised him And he said to david am I a dog that you come at me with sticks And the philistine cursed david by his gods come here. He said and i'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals." Stop right there If we would have even in boldness got to that point most of us when goliath spoke directly to us would have said you know what? I changed my mind Nine foot nine, five 550 pounds, and he had just said, Hey, kid, I'm going to rip your head off and feed it to the birds. Look what David said. David said, You come against me with sword and a spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. The armies of Israel have you defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. The, the giant said to David, I'm going to rip off your head and feed it to the birds. And David said, I'm going to rip off your head and feed it to the birds. It was like, this kid is crazy, right? It's like, you shot at me, I'll shout you down. It's like, boy, don't come at me. I, I'm getting ready to knock. I'm going to knock you out, and then I'm going to rip off your head. This David is crazy. This very day, he said, I'm going to give your carcasses to the Philistine army, to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear, for the Lord saves for the battles of the Lord, and he'll give it into our hands as the Philistine move quicker or closer to attack him. David, what's the word there? He ran. He's like, let's get it on now. He sprinted toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down a Philistine and he killed him. So David ran, stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's own sword. He drew it from its sheath. After he had killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran away. So David tells Saul, man, your problem is fixed today. We were in the valley of Eli. We were up on the hill of the Israeli encampment, down below the hill, right before you walked into the valley. There was a little stream, the only stream that is in the valley of Elah, the only stream there today, the only stream there in David's time. And the Bible says he took a handful of stones. I took a little more than that because I wanted to give them to people. But these came straight from there. It says he put them in his shepherd's pouch. Don't let me lose that one, Robbie. Kind of like a pocket. Probably a stone this size, maybe a little bigger, maybe a little smaller. He took off walking towards a giant. He thought, you know what, I'm not going to let this day end before this problem is solved. You know, you don't have to go to bed tonight in the same spiritual place that you woke up. You can meet your giant, you can deal with it, and you can be done. And our band is going to come and play today just real quietly at first, guys. But today I'm going to give you the opportunity to hurry toward your spiritual giant and kill it. Yeah, David didn't just kill the giant, he killed it twice. Let me tell you why I think you have to kill the giant twice. I have a friend who lives in West Texas. And in West Texas, rattlesnakes are real, real prevalent there. And um, he said he and his buddies were playing basketball one day out on the basketball court when he was in high school on the pavement. And he said a bunch of rattlesnakes crawled up. And he said they were real aggressive. It was real hot. And he said they wanted to come sun themselves. And he said they got some shovels and some hoes, and they started killing the rattlesnakes. They were cutting off their heads and throwing their bodies away kicked their heads off the court, went to playing basketball. And he said at the end of the day, like later on that evening after they'd had dinner and they were just hanging out on the driveway, he said one of the rattlesnakes had been killed and its mouth was open. Like it was just the head of a rattlesnake laying off beside the driveway with its mouth open. And the body was thrown somewhere else. And he said his uncle picked it up. He said, hey guys, check this out. And he put it in his hand and while it was in his hand, after it had been dead for eight hours, it clamped down. The nerve reactions in its head just triggered And that poison which probably was already in its teeth Chomped down on it Thank God it was laying in the palm of his hand You see if you today deal with your giant And then you go back and fool around with it tomorrow Or next week or next month It can still get you But if you kill it twice You kill it twice You say I give it to God And then I just keep I'll just keep dealing with it Until like it never gets up again God could radically change your life forever. There's no need for us to go through the motions as Christians. Get dressed, come to church, not do battle, go home. Get dressed, come to church, not do battle, go home. Why don't we grow today spiritually? I'm going to do something I've never done in the history of our church before. In just a minute, I'm going to open up this altar. What is an altar? It's just a place to meet with God. This really isn't an altar. This is a stage. This is a gym. But I'm going to give you the opportunity. If you've never been to church, it might look a little weird. Those of you who have been to church before, you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do more than just pray in your heart. I'm going to give you the opportunity to step forward and come and pray and say, God, I am hurrying towards the battle line, and I need you to help me with this, with my addiction, with my hurt, with my marriage, with my habit, with my anger, with this busted relationship with pornography, with alcohol, with my language, with my tobacco, whatever. Whatever is standing between you and go with my laziness, with my bad attitude, whatever. I'm going to give you the opportunity today to face your giant. Hopefully you've identified it, to move towards it and to kill it today spiritually so that you can leave one step closer to God than you came this morning. That's how spiritual commitment works. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Please, nobody moving around or leaving. I understand how far over we are, but it's worth 15 minutes today to get your stuff fixed spiritually. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. The first question is a really easy one. If you're in here today with nobody looking around, And you have identified your giant. You know what's standing between you and the next step spiritually. God's been telling you something in your life's not right and you need to deal with it. You understand. If you know what your giant is today, if you've identified, would you just raise your hand all over this place? Yep, Christian, I know what it is. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. If today you want to begin to deal with it right where you are, if you're raising your hands, stand up. You keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. You don't need to look around. But I'm asking for action today. I did this of a thousand teenagers four times last week. And Danielle and Robbie both asked me, how come you don't invite our adults to make the commitment just ask teenagers to? And here was my answer. I don't know if they will. And God said, shame on you. Put faith in me, Christian. I'll move people towards myself. It's not your job. If you are standing today, And you need to, today, punch a giant in the face. Give it to God. I'm going to ask you right now to leave your seat, to come find a place on this floor, to get on your knees with your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter or just all by yourself. Don't worry about what your spouse is doing. You and God today just come and today before we leave this room you tell god i know what's holding me back i'm sick of being held back i want to go to the next level i want to go to the next step god help me today kill my giant kill it twice leave it right here if you're able just hit a knee on the floor and you just right now talk to god god is listening in this church right now just right where you are you talk to god do your business spiritually today, the rest of you in your seats. I just want you to pray quietly for those that are here or worship quietly with Daniel and the team. But let's give these people here some time to go deal with their Goliath today. Why do you turn into wine? You open the eyes of the blind. So There's no one like you. you pray right now and our band just continues to play a couple steps to this prayer one tell God what you're, your giant is not out loud just in your heart listen I wouldn't want the person in front of me or beside me to know either say God here's my deal man I'm struggling with this You, in your heart you need to say it you need to name it if it's a person tell God if it's a memory tell God if it's something you've endured tell God if it's a habit an addiction tell God if it's a sin tell God if it's an attitude tell God And I want you to say, God, today, I want to deal with this. Sick of being held back. I'm sick of routine instead of real growth. God, today, I give this to you. And I will continue to give this to you every day until it's out of my life so that I can move forward spiritually. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray for these who are here praying. Some through tears, some real quietly, some that are really, really serious, some that this is brand new for them. Pray for those in their seats who are feeling everything that these people are feeling, but they didn't have the comfort to come up here. It's it's, It's just so new for them. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that today the spiritual battlefield will be littered with giants. Giants with no heads because we've killed them. We've cut it off and we've walked away with them because we're going to own this issue in our life. God, be with these people who are doing business with you. Now, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Those of you here at the front, I just want you to continue to pray. But the greatest giant you can ever slay is the giant of the sin that you were born with, giving it over to God, asking God to forgive you of your sins and becoming a Christian, giving your life to Jesus. If you're at the altar today, And I'll tell you the reason that I'm doing this. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I had a young lady last night tell me I'm going to bring my friend to church. Because I want to make sure she knows how to become a Christian. Maybe there are more who are in church. I need to make sure that they know they're a Christian. If your desire is to give your heart to God. To have your sins forgiven. To try to live for Jesus. To one day go to heaven when you leave this planet earth. And pray this prayer in your heart You don't even have to pray it out loud Just pray this prayer Dear God Today I give my life to you I want to know for sure That I'm a Christian So I pray that you'll forgive my sin I pray that you'll enter my life That's meant to be lived like you Change me Rearrange me Help me to live for you God The rest of my life Give me heaven when I die God Not because I deserve it But because I accept what has been offered to me Today my life is yours Thank you For saving me Heads are bowed and eyes are closed If you're down here praying If you're out in those seats And today, today you prayed You know for sure now that you're a Christian Even though you're here at the front Would you just raise your hand and say Christian, today I pray to know that I'm a Christian Just raise your hand Nobody's looking around but me Christian, today I pray to know I'm a Christian Yep, yep Anybody else? Anyone else? Christian today, I pray. I know I'm a Christian. Yep. Yep. God, thank you for what you're doing. You're a great God. You're greater. You're stronger. You're bigger than any giant. And there's some big ones, but you're bigger. And God, I pray by the power of Jesus and the power of the, the stones already in our life that we'll get triumph and we'll grow spiritually. And this service... That's been one of the longest that we've ever had. Maybe the longest that we'll ever have. It's okay, God. Because uh, we're adding spiritual value to our life way more than the 20 minutes that we've gone over here at church. We love you. And God, now we, as one, we rise to worship you.